Hello, I'm Stuart Childs and you're welcome to the Dairy Edge, the Chagas Dairy Podcast. We're bringing you the latest information, insights and opinion to improve dairy farm performance. With all the discussion on emissions and targets for the agricultural sector, and given that this week is Sustainability Week, I spoke with Seamus Kearney, the Training and Development Specialist on the Chagas Signpost Programme, and I began by asking Seamus where the best starting point for farmers wishing to reduce their farm emissions is. The big areas where the emissions are coming from, Stuart, is 65% of our emissions are coming from methane and about 30% are coming from nitrous oxide. And nitrous oxide is very much linked to the uh, how we spread our slurries and also to the chemical fertilizer we use at farms. So really, the nitrous oxide, Stuart, is probably the first place farmers would look at to try and reduce their overall nitrous oxide emissions and sub- subsequently their greenhouse gas emissions. So basically the trailing shoe is going to cover the, the element of the nitrous oxide emissions from the slurry side. Uh, and then we have the chemical fertilizer and there's a lot that we can do around the chemical fertilizer. So what uh, I suppose you've been engaged there, obviously, in your role as the training specialist for the signpost program with the monitor farms through the monitor farm advisors that are working with them. What strategies have they employed now in relation to the reducing their emissions? Yeah, well, I suppose, uh, very good question, uh, Stuart. I suppose the first strategy they've implemented is to change fertilizer type. And basically, this is a little bit of planning. So I do a nutrient management plan, and it's really a phone call into your fertilizer uh, supplier. And what we're finding, Stuart, is um, if we look at the the, chemi- the straight nitrogen fertilizers, uh, our can, urea, protected urea. So our can has the most emissions. Uh, urea has a lot of ammonia emissions. Protected urea has very low greenhouse gas emissions, so nitrous oxide emissions, and also low ammonia emissions. So it's the cheapest of all the chemical nitrogen fertilizers. And I suppose on the other side of it, Stuart, uh, I suppose work coming out from our colleagues in, in Johnson Castle is showing that the um, emissions from the likes of 10, 10, 20, 18, 6, 12, uh, the nitrous oxide emissions are sus- substantially lower than cut and pasture swords. So really what we're finding, what we're trying to do in a lot of signpost farms, is the fertilizers being used as a combination of 18, 6, 12, that's used to use up the, the pea allowance of the farms. Uh, they're then using protected urea as their nitrogen source, and they're then coming along with some urea of potash uh, if they need extra caden to build up on their farms then as well. Now, the good news, Stuart, is that combination is the lowest emitting combination of all the, the type of fertilizers we can use. But the other thing as well is moving from cut swords and pasture swords plus a can combination to the combination of 18, 6, 12, um, protected urea and some urea potash to balance the K. It has a knock-on effect, Stuart, and we're finding from the signpost farms of reducing the fertilizer costs just by doing a bit of planning by between 40 and 50 euro per cow. So that's about four to five thousand euro saving by changing the type of fertilizer being used in the farms, growing the same amount of grass, just by changing the combination, it's four or five thousand euro savings for the average dairy farmer. So that's step one that they're doing, Stuart, in general. Okay, so just to, to reiterate, I suppose, why the eighteen six twelve and the ten ten twenty? Why? What's the difference between them and, we'll say, as you said, the pasture swards or the cut swards? Yeah, so look, I suppose the, the eighteen six twelve, uh, you you have a lot of P and K in there. So what you're doing with the eighteen six twelve, Stuart, is you're really getting uh, two, uh, two and a half times the amount of, of P and K out with a, with a bag of eighteen six twelve as a bag of uh, pasture sward. So what you're doing then is there's lower nitrous oxide emissions. Uh, from the 18612 and the cut and pasture sward. But as well as that, then, Stuart, you're concentrating your compounds into a, a, a fewer applications and you're giving yourself way more opportunity to go with straight nitrogen 
And by going with our protected radians, our straight hydrogen source, that's reducing our emissions and also saving the farmers. I said a combination of 1812 pasture sward and a bit of muriate potash is saving farmers between 40 and 50 euro per cow. Okay, that's fairly significant now, Seamus. Um, in relation to, we'll say, obviously, as I said, the signpost farms are probably well on the road in terms of protected urea use now because they have that information and that knowledge through their advisors, we'll say. Um, from what, looking at the trends nationally, and I know you're looking at fertilizer figures a good bit there, um, is there much protected urea being used in the country now at this stage? Yeah, well, look, I suppose just to go back to the, the fertilizer use, Stuart, um, I suppose uh, the fertilizer year starts uh, in October. So for the first three quarters of the year, so from October 21 to June 22, we have a nine month uh, figures at this stage. Uh, what we're seeing is a reduction of almost 20% on chemical nitrogen being used. But the worry, Stuart, is we're back about 30% in peas and kills. Okay, so and that's a big element as well, trying trying to reduce the amount of nitrogen we need to use. So that's a bit of a worry going forward. But we're also seeing from those figures, Stuart, we're now at 16% of our straight nitrogen is being used in the form of protected urea, up from about 9% last year. Probably would hit about 20% almost by the time this year is finished. There's about another 29% in Stuart in the form of ordinary urea. So about 45% of our straight nitrogen now is either in urea or protected urea format. And the target we need to get to by 2030 is about 75% of our straight nitrogen, either in um, urea or protected urea format. But it, it, it's pretty much uh, increasing 50 to 100% year on year the last couple of years short, the use of protected urea. So as farmers use it, they can see the benefits of it, really huge savings in their pocket, and they're sticking with it uh, because it's doing the job for them. Okay, so we're actually making good enough progress there in relation to the urea-based products, but... Uh, would you be advocating that people that have been using the straight urea would consider more protected urea? Yeah, very much, Stuart. And I suppose the other thing as well, from the work coming out of, of Johnson Castle, the ammonia loss with ordinary urea, really what it means is you're getting about uh, 12% less utilisation of the same fertiliser. Um, and if we take current fertiliser prices at the minute, um, the over €1,000 a tonne, uh, you're getting about €120 Euros worth of fertiliser more per tonne by having it protected. It's costing about €50 Euro more a tonne to buy it as a protected product. So you're really getting over two to three times payback by having to protect the product in the first place. And the other big event is short. I've seen it last year with farmers getting caught. They had a lot of urea in the yard in the spring. The weather got very dry quick enough last year. They weren't able to use it then maybe during dry periods. Where the product comes in is protected. Once you have it in the yard, then you can use it Anytime you could use urea or anytime you can use cane, all year round, it'll grow the same amount of grass for you. Okay, so just um, in relation to the actual strategy around fertilizer purchase now and so forth, I suppose it's important to point out to people that are due new soil samples will obviously maybe be a little bit hamstrung in terms of their information for what they can get in terms of P and K. But uh, there's no reason that people shouldn't be ordering plenty of protected urea right now, both from a value point of view and then significantly, I suppose, like uh, f- leading with the parse force, but there's great advantages from an environmental perspective here from protected urea. So, yeah, and I suppose the recommendation is look, it's it's, the, it's your eighteen six twelve type products, it's your protected urea, and then going to back into the year with a muriate potash if need be. Uh, but just be careful with the protection on the urea. It's about a six ish month lifespan on it. Uh, and what happens if the inhibitor breaks down short on the, the protected urea, it become, it acts the same as ordinary urea. So if you if you are storing some of it over the winter, we would suggest probably using that protected urea product as the first product you use in next spring, uh, that at least with damp, moist weather, uh, you're not having the issue with the inhibitor, maybe the, the lifespan uh, running out on your desk stage. 
Okay, and is that the case with all of the products, Seamus, or is there a difference between the ones that have the P and the K, or so, sorry, the K and the S, because there isn't anything available with the P? The one thing, short that the Precure doesn't come with P on it. Uh, you can get K in it or you can get sulfur in it. Uh, very much similar with all products. Six months or roughly is the lifespan we'd normally say. Uh, some products may last a little bit longer. We look, it's supposed to be safe, kind of six, nine months kind of max on, on the lifespan of some of those products. Okay. Okay, so just in terms of the strategy, so like you've talked about using the eighteen six twelve there, um, in terms of when farms are applying these products, we're talking about using our slurry, obviously with our low emissions in the first round for as much as possible, trying to maximise the amount of ground that we hit there. And then again, like we said there a few minutes ago, from an, an ammonia emissions point of view, we're going to be advocating that people would consider using the protected urea at that point in time as well then for that early application where they haven't spread the slurry. So I suppose we're really looking at uh, slurry on maybe a third half the farm as the first application, 2,000 gallons through low emissions in the springtime. Uh, go with your protected urea, ideally product if you can for the first application, uh, maybe 20, 25 units or so. Um, you might be getting in maybe your, your second round, or your third round. That's where you're probably going to rate six well, Stuart, getting your P's and K's early in the year. Um, you'd probably go with more protected urea as you go along during the year. Come back in again, maybe uh, towards maybe later summer. If you do need to go in more eighteen six twelve, then if you're allowed, try and top up your P and K levels. And like you mentioned, low emissions, Stuart. And I suppose the message of the low emissions is you're recovering about nine units per thousand gallons by using low emissions. Uh, if you spread it uh, in the kind of um, February, March, April uh, window, uh, where if you go spreading with a splash bit in the summer, you're only recovering three units per thousand gallons. So you're you're tripling the recovery of our nitrogen. Uh, by spreading with a low emission in the springtime. Um, and we're finding that for the signpost farms, they would have, have tested our story this year, Stuart, or finding an average of about 10 units of nitrogen per thousand gallons when it's spread in the spring with a low emission story spreading, uh, about six units of, of P per thousand gallons and about 26 units of K. So that's roughly the equivalent of a bag of 0730-ish and about 10 units of nitrogen per, per, per thousand gallons is kind of what we're finding um, from the signpost farms. Okay, so even with those figures, there's actually a little bit less K than we might have thought, even in, in some of that slurry, but really, is there? Slightly a bit less, Stuart. That's why you'll be, you'll be watching the, the soil samples, and that's the point I make with the murahid potash. And I suppose the other thing with the murahid potash, uh, you have, you have a, a restriction on when you can spread nitrogen and, and phosphorus. You don't have a restriction on when you can spread the uh, potassium, the K. So that could be spread maybe when you're closing up paddocks at the back end of the year. Just be careful not to overdo it if grass technically did in the springtime. Okay, and actually, is it worth? Um, is it feasible to say, James, that if farms had reasonably good soil fertility initially, that they could um, nearly go without the eighteen six twelve? Now, I know, I know, you said that there was concern there a minute ago. Now, in terms of the reduction of the the amount of P and K that's been spread as well, and and that while the nitrogen reduction is a positive, that's a negative. Um, what would you say is is it feasible for people to use that P and K and the slurry as a replacement for some or all of that um, eighteen six twelve that they might have been using in the past? Yeah, well, with slurry, Stuart, I suppose the the, the 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 saying there would be to recycle. So really, the slurry is coming from silage ground. You'd be trying to get as much of it as you possibly can back onto silage ground again. So that's where the big draw of K especially is going to be. So there will some of it be available then for your for your grazing paddocks. Um, but I suppose the one thing is, Stuart, uh, when you when you do nit- a nutrient management plan, whatever P you're allowed, you're allowed it for a reason. You're allowed that amount of P in order to replenish what has been taken off and to build it up, to bring it to index three where you need it to be to, be, to maximise whatever nitrogen you're putting out on that ground. So what I would say to farmers is, if you're allowed P on your farm, Stuart, 
I would be making it a, a, a target really, whatever P you're allowed, I would still be trying to get it out there because if you cut down your P and K, you're not going to get the same utilization from your nitrogen and uh, it'll mean you won't be able to cut back as much in the nitrogen. Um, so you're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul really in those scenarios, Stuart. Definitely, you have to go with your PK, then you try and go with your nitrogen after that. Okay, and actually, I suppose you've kind of just said there now about trying to get the efficiency out of the nitrogen. What other um, option is there, I suppose, in terms of easy and cheap options, which are few and far between in, in this current environment? And if we mentioned P and K, Stuart, and uh, on grassland soils, productive grassland soils, about half of the soils are, are, are deficient on P and about half are deficient on K. And we're asking about what other options have we to try to cut back our fertilizer bill. I think lime is the cheapest form of fertilizer, Stuart. Lime really hasn't changed a whole pile in price. Uh, while fertilizer has tripled in price, lime has really stayed the same. And the big advantage by, by spreading lime is you're releasing naturally occurring nitrogen and, 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 and phosphorus from the ground. And uh, where, where, light, where the, the pH is very low in soils, you can release up to 70 to 80 kilos of nitrogen per hectare per year by getting the lime out there. Um, so lime is the starting point. Start with your lime, then you get your P and K right, then whatever nitrogen put out after that, Stuart, you're getting better value for it, better utilization. That's how you start cutting back on your, your, your nitrogen. Like we mentioned cut back on the nitrogen, the lime, by releasing the nitrogen should be able to help you cut back your chemical nitrogen. The, the retaining more of the nitrogen in the slurry should be able to help you to cut back on your 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 chemical nitrogen being spread in as well. And like once your lime, your P and K is right, Stuart, then that's when you start to look at your 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 clover and to try and use clover to grow your own nitrogen on your own farms. Yeah, so that's an important piece because I suppose there was a perception maybe there at the start of this year that we were going to be able to throw clover on every paddock and that that was going to be the solution to a cutback or a reduction, maybe our lack of availability of fertilizer. But in reality, you're saying there that even right here, right now, maybe people will have soil samples sitting in a drawer that might be indicating that they have a low pH on certain parts of their farm and they, sh- they should be going about addressing that. And there's the equivalent of, what, 55, 60 units you were saying there now. I know people complain about us compl- com- combining the units per acre and the kgs per hectare, but uh, like uh, I suppose to, to cover everybody, you're saying there that there's the equivalent of, we'll say, on average, 60, 60 units probably to be got. Like. And that's from work, Stuart, where the soils were up from a pH of 5.5. There was two tonne of lime per acre put out in them, uh, a five tonne per hectare, and it managed to release uh, up to 80 kilos of nitrogen per hectare per year. And I suppose that, that's the big point, Stuart, is the first thing I would do as a farmer at the minute is get my, my soil samples. If they were on low on lime four years ago and you haven't spread lime since, they miraculously didn't improve. So work on the paddocks that need the lime most and as I always say to farmers, uh, when is the right time to spread lime? Uh, yesterday. When is the best next time? Today. Uh, and really what I'd say to farmers, look, we'd love to see a white Christmas. Forget the snow, plenty of lime, and the more lime you put out, uh, that will help to reduce your, your chemical fertilizer building as well. Yeah, and I suppose uh, an important point to pick up there now, Seamus, is that you're saying that that 80 kgs is each year. It's not just a one-off when you apply the lime, like. Yeah, very much so, Stuart. And there were some soils that were up from, from a pH of 5.5. So look, if the soil is up in the 6 mark, you won't get the 80 kilos per hectare. You might get 30 or 40 kilos per hectare uh, of nitrogen, and that's each year, every year. Uh, and you really see it at the shoulders of the year, Stuart. That's where the lime really starts kicking in. And people say, look, lime takes a bit of time to work. Uh, but 35% of the product is immediately available to work straight away. The rest of it will work within 12, 18 months. So look, getting lime out is the fundamentals to try and get. Uh, it'll release nitrogen, release phosphorus. It'll get the soil fertility better on the farm for you. And it gets more worms into the soil as well, Stuart. So it'll also help with drainage and releasing more of this mineralized nitrogen from the ground. 
Okay, so just to, I suppose, to bring you back there now in terms of the finances, we've talked a lot about the mechanics of the whole process there now in terms of release, etc. again. So yeah, I mentioned a few figures there in relation to what people can save, and I nearly missed them myself there now, so I'll just ask you to, to go through them again. So if we're currently on a can situation, we'll say, or your pastor's ward or cuts ward um, uh, type products, what are you, you're saying that if we have three ton of that, five ton of that, we, we can replace that with three ton of protected urea? We're at the straight line here this day short. I suppose the one thing is going into the, 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 the supplier's yard uh, trying to equate uh, one fertilizer versus another. So I suppose the easy way for farmer to remember is every five ton of can that you buy or that you're going to get rid of and you swap to three ton of protected urea. So the same amount of nitrogen and three ton of protected urea at 46% versus uh, five ton of can at 27%. So every five ton of can, you bring to three ton of protected urea at current prices, Stuart, there's a saving of a thousand euro for every five ton of can we switch to three ton of protected urea. And roughly, uh, it can save the emissions of almost a dairy cow uh, for each five ton of can we move to three ton of protected urea. Uh, so huge savings there. This was the point we made earlier on by moving from our, our cotton pasture boards with our can type products to 18612 and protected urea. Uh, we're finding from the signpost farms about 50, 40 to 50 euro cow saving. And after that, then Stuart, for every 10%, we can reduce our chemical nitrogen. And farmers have reduced by 20% this year. So every 10% we reduce our chemical nitrogen, that has another saving of another 20 euro a cow. So this year we brought it back 20%. So that has another saving of 40 euro a cow. So by changing fertilizer type, there's a 40, 50 euro a cow uh, saving there. And by reducing it by 20%, there's another 40 euro a cow as well. So we're up into the 80, 90 euro per cow, which is eight or 9,000 euro for our average dairy farmer. Uh, by switching fertilizer type, Take the t- simple technologies we're talking about to try and reduce the chemical nitrogen used by maybe twenty percent of farm. Okay, that's fairly significant. Like, there's a lot of money in in uh, in that. Like, that's nearly having the fertilizer costs as it currently stands. Yeah, to to bring it back significantly, Stuart, probably in the region over thirty percent anyway, definitely. And I suppose the other good news in Stuart is um, by switching over from Candic products to protected urea, there's potential to reduce emissions on heavily stocked area farms by up to seven or eight percent, huge reduction in emissions. Um, whereas if we just if if we don't move to the protected urea product, uh, even reducing our fertilizer use by twenty five percent really only reduces our emissions by four or five percent. So the the big step is. The, and the big wins from an environment and a financial point of view, first of all, switch fertilizer type. So we're looking at the 18612s and our protected ureas. And after that, then we start working on our lime, our PRK, uh, trying to inco- uh, retain more nitrogen in the slurry with low emissions, incorporating more clover into the soils. That helps reduce our chemical nitrogen. And that's the second saving then that we have on dairy farms. Okay, very good. And I suppose um, just when we're on the topic of it, if it's okay to put it to you, um, what about... What's the scope then if we if we do all this? So we switch to our protected urea and we save our seven or eight percent there. We reduce our uh, amount of nitrogen being applied and we can save another couple of percent there. Where the the next step with the clover? How far can the clover take us? Yeah, so so really, that's what the clover didn't to that stage. And I suppose by by, by switching from the canned products to protected urea products, you're really uh, bringing your emissions from the fertilizer down to the, by by to a quarter at that stage. Um, so the 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 clover data that stage, Stuart, has the potential to reduce our chemical nitrogen by 100 uh, kilos of nitrogen per hectare per year. Uh, but again, we mentioned earlier on, 50% of soils are, are, are lacking in lime, 50% are lacking in K, 50% are lacking in P. Overall, less than a quarter of soils on dairy farms are actually at optimum for lime, P and K. And for clover, we need over 6.5 pH 
We need index three for P, index three for K. Uh, so we've less than a quarter of our soils that are suitable for that type of um, scenario. So really for farmers and corporate and clover, you need to go out to the fields first of all with the good soil fertility. Number two, you need to go after the cleaner fields that won't need extra weed control. And number three, you have to follow the management tips then with cows who are coming from grass swords and the clover swords, that the cows, they're not hungry going into it. They're getting meal before you go into it. You give them smaller breaks to make them graze it down for a couple of hours and then give them a, a bigger part of clover. Maybe this time of year, Stuart, that all the cows go out together rather than rambling out uh, one at a time. So that all the cows go into one time and putting in a little bit of silage in there as well as a bit of fibre to try and reduce any incidence of bloat that occurred in as well at that stage. So I suppose that's uh, there's a reason so that on your 12 steps for to reduce emissions and daring that the clover is at the top of the, the, the ladder in terms of it's probably the most challenging. And the reason it's top of the ladder, Stuart, we need to get the lime right, first of all. And, and on the steps, as you mentioned, our protected area, step number one, the easiest win. The step number two is lime. Step number three is, is getting the P and K right. Step number four is low emissions for ice spreading, recovering as nitrogen as we can. Step five is reducing nitrogen. And we get to step, step 12 then before we look at clover because we need to, the first five steps in sync before we start going into the clover issue in the last stage, So pretty much so if we want to put a plan in place for 2023, Seamus, kind of, you might as well give me those five steps there again, so... Yeah, so so really step one, Stuart, is to start talking to your your, your fertilizer supplier now that they'll have protected area available for you. And look, definitely the availability issue is is not as big an issue as it was in previous years. There's a, there's a lot more of it available at this stage. So protected area, step number one, we switch from can to protected area. Step number two, any place that's deficient in lime and has been for the last three or four years, didn't get it, get out the lime now. Now is the time to lime. Step number three is you go after your P and your K. So whatever P allows you an out next year, Stuart, try and get it out in the formats of 18, 6, 12. So you're getting your P, your K out. You're allowing more opportunity then to go straight um, nitrogen in the form of protected urea. Uh, step number four is use low emission slurry spreading in the springtime to triple the amount of nitrogen you're recovering uh, versus a splash plate in the summer. And that all leads into trying to reduce our nitrogen by every 5 or 10% in Stuart at farm level. Uh, and when all those are in place, then you can go on to step number 12, which is trying to incorporate clover because there is an upscaling and there's management involved there, but there's also the soil fertility has to be in place first of all as well. Okay, very good, Sam. So that's a, a very insightful piece into the whole um, soil fertility slash uh, fertilizer purchasing strategy that people should be employing for 2023. And I suppose it's important that we're covering it at this stage here in the month of October in relation to the fact that there'll be a lot of people actually trying to buy fertilizer from a multitude of reasons, really, I suppose. Uh, and as you mentioned, their availability being a concern and again, concern around the price of it and so forth. So a farmer said to me recently that the the only thing worse than uh, deer fertilizer is no fertilizer. So it's it's, it's still an important piece of the jigsaw in terms of growing grass, etc. But it's the the product choice and people not to get caught, basically. I suppose with maybe having to take what is left, or like if they're putting in orders, they're in a, going to be in a better position to handle the emissions piece. And it's something that people need to be conscious of. Yeah, and very much sure now is the time to talk to your to your to your, your fertilizer supplier that you're giving them a heads up that you, that the product are looking for because there is a lead in to get all fertilizers at the minute so to be fair to everyone along the chain definitely is worth looking at, at the minute and so I think we have to credit farmers Stuart because we look at the steps they were talking about we're at 16% of our straight nitrogen now is protected urea increasing year on year uh, 
we were looking at 20% reduction in chemical nitrogen use this year. Farmers have, have, have really been very careful what they're using. Uh, we've gone over 36% now was slurry and low emission slurry spreading. And we hit a 40-year high, Stuart, last year on lime spreading, mm. over 1.35 million tonnes. So the farmers deserve huge credit for, for the type of work they're taking on. They're, they're really taking on the messages and trying to reduce their, their, their emissions, but also trying to save uh, money and make themselves more profitable at farm level. Because look, at the end of the day, sustainability, Stuart, it's about economic, it's about social sustainability, that they have a good environment and they, 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 they're living in rural Ireland. And then you have the, envir- the environmental sustainability, which incorporates our greenhouse gases and as importantly, our water quality and biodiversity. And maybe that's another thing we're on about fertilizer, Stuart. Just the farmers are aware that there's a two meter buffer for uh, the fertilizer of any open drains. And as well, even when you're spreading slurry for the first uh two weeks of the open year that you keep out 10 metres from any any open drains and five metres for the remainder of the year. And like there's some little tips that can also help to improve water quality and, and, and try to, to help the agricultural sector. Simple tips, but important ones at the same time, Seamus. So look, uh, I suppose as the old political slogan says, a lot done, more to do. Um, but still some very good pointers there in relation to the direction that farmers should be looking to take in relation to their fertiliser strategy to try to help to reduce emissions. So thanks, Seamus, for coming on today and I really appreciate you giving me your time. So thanks very much. Thank you very much, Stuart, for the opportunity. That's all for this week's episode of the Dairy Edge podcast and my thanks to Seamus Kearney for joining me on this week's show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Stuart Childs and join me next time for your Dairy Edge.